Put down the remote and put in your headphones. That's right. It's time for Raw and Real with CJ Ripka, the show where all the stories are great. Eh, well, some of the stories are great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Raw and Real coming to you from the Saloon 7 Studios in Rapid City. Take it away, CJ. Hi there. I have a quick survey for you to fill out. It'll just take a second. Question one. What the f***? Seven six five four three two one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother! Broadcasting to a worldwide audience since 2014, you're about to experience raw and real. And now, here's your host, CJ Ripka. Hey, what's going on there, Raw and Real Nation? CJ here, and tonight's episode, I'm over on YouTube Live. That's right, Monday nights are YouTube night, which I kind of like this platform. For the most part, it works. It's stable. And, well, I'm trying to build something different. And the guy that I learned that from, well, one of the guys that I keep learning that from recently, watching his show, is the guy that I have sitting with me. He is the founder of Bowtie Creative and the host of The Hustle Zone. That's right, I've got Ryan Perez on the line with me, hailing from Alberta, Canada. Well, it was it Alberta, Canada, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I got that right. Finally got one right. Last week, I got it completely wrong. What's going on, my man? How you doing? I've been doing great. Been doing great. Hey, is this on live? Like, how do I share this show? This show is is uh, on live right now. It's on ripkamedia.com forward slash live. Ripka Media. Okay, I'm going to share this out. Awesome. But yeah, anyway, how's it going? <laughs> it's going well, my man. So how, what, man, what's what's been going on? I mean, you've been killing it. I mean, just killing it lately. I don't know about that, but, um, (laughs) you know, we're just like, I think just like yourself, um, I think that, you know, we all see an opportunity here and I'm a late bloomer, but I I saw the opportunity and I just put my, I put my all into it. And, you know, it's funny that you and I are, are talking because, you know, you know, I mean, we met on Blab. And, um, I think through one of my other shows that I had, you know, you know, teaching people about marketing and, and whatnot. And, you know, a lot of the things, you know, I think that you were probably the one of the first people that I spoke to that was doing a, you, you had a podcast mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I guess I'm on it now, <laughs> but you know, it was, it was surreal because a lot of the things that I said, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to do one. I'm going to show a lot of people, you know, how to market yourself through it. And it has been quite bent, like, you know, doing the things that I t- t- like told you and, and uh, a few other podcasters, you know, I, I have seen so much like come from this and, and built a, a really good community around the hustle zone, which is amazing. You know, but, it, uh, with that, with that show though, I mean, it was, it was like one day I'm, I'm watching Ryan Perez father, you know, sitting there with the son you know, getting to know you uh, personally through these live streams. And then all of a sudden you just rocked it out with this hustle zone. Do you think doing those other live streams first on Facebook, do you think that was one of the things that kind of 
maybe helped create that uh, that initial audience with uh, the Hustle Zone? You know, I, I think that the Hustle Zone wasn't um, didn't come like didn't come overnight. I mean, the Hustle Zone really like came from Blab, and um, Blab had a lot of influence directly and indirectly. Um, and then for those who don't know what Blab is, Blab is a was a live streaming platform where four people can come on to a screen, a screen and chat with each other. Um, and I I learned a really fundamental. There was two things I learned. There was a guy named Jonathan Tripp that um, you know he does a social media show, and he was the only person that he would have a show, and then he would bring people back to the, his community. So you would go off of, you, you know, Blab and you would go into this area and then you, you interact with his brand and he kind of fostered that. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty powerful because when you go, when you look back and you look at how many people actually join a show, he has a lot of people watching him because, you know, he does a lot of pre- preparation and and he fosters and he and he tries his best to foster a really good community. So I saw that and I kind of kept that in the back of my mind. When I first stumbled across Blab, I was like, "Rooms? <laughs> you know, you mean I can go into a room that I am interested in, in uh, uh, I'm interested in, and then participate, and then not only like and have my my voice heard." Because if I wanted to go into a, a room where there was, um, where there was a community, and I said my piece, they would listen to me. They'd be like, you know what? That's a great idea, right? And then you have people that are live on the camera and then acknowledging you in the comment section, and I'm like, that, and 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 unlike any other platform, Blab was just that it it was like you could fit enough people in a room for people to just know who who was in the room whether you were on the sidelines or whether you were on the thing and i, I whether you were on video or camera um and and i and i lead this to say that blab taught me that social media works in segmentation to be a really good person in social media you need to surround yourself with the people that you um that you like the people that identify like your like that identify with you, you know, and you use your energy and you foster that community and you build content around that community. So I invented this term peer-to-peer mentoring, um, where I mentor my friends and I only surround my myself with people that are of like mind so I can foster a community and it's worked because i i know how to get hits on youtube i know how to do all that kind of stuff i know how to market myself i know how to pay for advertising but there's nothing better than doing stuff for your friends and then building opportunities based off of the relationships that you have with your friends you know and you know you're touching you're touching on that that part about blab i think that that was kind of magical if you will with blab because as a live streamer it, it, it was one of those platforms that it, it really trained you to pay attention to what's going on over on the side chat and, and engage with those people who may not be on camera with you. And, mm-hmm. and I think you're hitting it right on the head. We were able to foster some communities based on that platform. 
Um, there's still people today. I mean, you're one of them, one of the people that I kept following after Blab went away because I was so interested in the things that you were doing and the things that you were saying. Even when I went on your show, uh, one of your shows and you absolutely lambasted my, my website, just totally picked it apart and crushed me, but it was what I needed. (laughs) It was what I needed to hear. Uh, but you touched on that community aspect, uh, you know, really well in that peer-to-peer mentoring. Talk a little bit about that aspect of it. Well, peer-to-peer mentoring is is something that it's just a, a, a way of marketing to people because in my business, um, the most important marketing method is not um, advertising. Um, it's not promotions like, hey, look at me. Ah! You know what I mean? Like I don't like that doesn't work for my business. I mean, if I was a sexy burger, I probably sell. You know what I mean? If I was a burger, I would sell. People would buy me and they would eat me, right? But that's not the reality of it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm ugly, and um, you know, <laughs> and and I'm a human being, and and I have a business that is really complex that people don't really necessarily understand. So, um, what works with me is when I have these one-on-one with people, because, like you said, like I tore your website apart. However, I just, you know, I wouldn't say I tore apart. I just you know, gave you, a, like, I tried my best to give you a direction so that you could be at your maximum best so that you can get the the maximum audience. So direct, direct marketing um, is a form of marketing because when you, it's just cold calling, it's going to the person directly and saying, Hey, this is what I do. And when they know you and they trust you, they'll do business with you. So that by all means is the most effective marketing that, that I do for my company. Um, secondly, when I'm not doing the direct marketing and I'm, it's referrals. So those two things I have, like in my business, that's what I have to worry about. So peer to peer mentoring is taking the, the, my friends, marketing to them, creating great content for them. That means me getting a really good camera, you know, getting, you know, my compressor mic, making sure that my audio is clear, making sure there's proper, uh, a good amount of lighting, uh, you know, things like that, giving them really great content and then surrounding myself, like adding people and having them add me people that are just only like the things that I like. Now, do you create these relationships through your show now, or is it, is it something that you do outside of that, that maybe brings these people in to become your friends? It's it's a lot of work. You got to, you, you have to engage people online and you got to, you, or when you're, when you're alive and you have to engage people when you're offline. You know, the, the whole point of peer to peer is like, it's your friends. So do you just use your friends and bring them onto your show and then not talk to them for the next six months? So how were you expecting to build your podcast, build your radio show or to build your, your, your marketing business or your MLM, MLM business without really creating relationships? So you really have to put it in. You got to put in that work until the point where, People just know you for what you are and start referring people over to you. So it's a long-term method of marketing, but it works because you have a group that you have unlimited market research. I mean, everything they post on their, their, on their timelines is market research for you to create content. So I'm very aware of what my friends are doing and I try to create great comp content that you know, that makes it so that they would love to watch it. 
So when they see me paired up with somebody else on a hustle zone, when they're scrolling down, and if it's a pretty lady or if it's me getting into really good conversation and they know at the at the top it says hustle zone and it's entrepreneurialism and all my friends are entrepreneurs, do you think they're not going to click it? Very they're going to click it. Absolutely. No, I, now I want to take a step back now. I mean, I I love where this is going. However, I, I got to take a couple of leaps back, really. I want to talk sure. about before Ryan Perez, the entrepreneur. Before you found your way, tell mm-hmm. us, tell us the story, how you became inspired to go to that level. Uh, like which level, like before the, uh, the level of being an entrepreneur. Yes. Uh, you know, I th- would say that I always had the heart or a spirit of the entrepreneur. Um, I didn't really, um, start, uh, I didn't really start my, my whole path to entrepreneurialism until I, um, until my friend Izana, you know, I went to his house one day and he was showing me the stocks on in the paper, like he was showing me stock, and I was like, "What is this? What is this? I don't know these numbers. Like, what is he talking about business for? I just want to go back to school. You know, we were in school, and you know, I wasn't really really paying him any mind, but he would be talking about business all the time. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, the then the other thing was that I joined um, Junior Achievement, and Junior Achievement is an organization for young kids uh, where they learn how to start a business. So by doing that, that really kind of gave me that entrepreneurial bug. Um, but I didn't really get my my start into what I'm doing today um, uh, until I met this guy, uh, a, a ex Calgary boy, Stamp Peter. Or sorry, or ex Dallas Cowboy and Calgary Stampeder Anthony McClanahan, and he was having an all ages jam in here in Calgary, and um, we bumped into him, and I was very popular at the time, me and my friend, and or my friend and I, and you know he asked us to design a flyer for him, and in when I was in school, I was a really bad kid, and instead of me doing my schoolwork, I was actually on the computers, like we were in computer class, and I was making flyers. Um, (laughs) I was making flyers and, um, instead of doing my, 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 my work. So, um, I made my first flyer and, you know, people loved it and, uh, and I did another event for him and people loved that. And then, you know, I, I was known as the flyer guy. So I would be, I made a business out of brokering prints, printing and, uh, graphic design. And then I, I I did that for many years. I mean, I'm on my 15th year being in business for myself. Uh, and um, I was just a freelancer at the time uh, until I just decided to do it full time uh, maybe four years ago. But I was working a good point, point, point of my life because I came from a background where my mom, you know, was making minimum wage, taking care of three children. You know the story. Um maybe it'll be a lifetime movie one of these days, but the, uh, but you know, the, I started my career doing that. And then also, um, like, I don't know how long, how much time I have, but there's many different stories that kind of led me up to here. Um, I was also a musician and wanted to be a rapper, wanted to be a producer. And I had a rap group that I had started, um, you know, because I had to run in with the, the law and, and I was a young kid was, um, you know, rebellious. And I decided to, um, and the community 
came in and changed my life. And, you know, I wanted to give back to community. So I started this rap group, rap group called Doll City. And we went to school to school teaching kids um, how to, you know, like to, to not go down the dark path, you know, to stay in school, get your education and things like that. Um, so from there, I wanted to figure out how can I merge graphic design, rap, and create a record label? So I started this company called uh, Cicada. And Cicada is a little Beatles. And every 17 years, they go out and chirp. You know, and they all sing one tune. And I wanted to re- re- I wanted to duplicate what Motown did for for Michael Jackson and for Marvin Gaye. I wanted to create a, a, a place where you could take kids off the street, refine them, and then put them back out. So wow. I met this guy named David um, Bowman, and he was the CEO um, or the ex-CEO of this company called Personics. And Personics, um, if you look it up in Google, they were the first to to physically sell uh mixtapes like they you could go into i think it was in san francisco um he raised like millions of dollars to run i think 40 million um to to create this idea where you walk into a store and you 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 ask them what songs you want on a tape and this was in the 80s and you get to select your songs and then put it on the tape and then you walk away so he was Um, he was the first guy to monetize this concept then Yes, correct. Wow. You know, and it's in history. I mean, he yeah. did create history. And I believe he said he met Madonna and, and, and things of that nature. And I met him through one of my mentors because my mentors, my mentor, Gary Martin, uh, it, you know, he's a master musician. And, uh, you know, he was looking at starting a website and, and, and putting together a record label. So him and I, when I was a kid, I was sitting on the bus talking with the guy and he's he's from the UK. And he was like, so, you know, like what, you know, what do you do? I'm like, I'm like a graphic designer, but I'm also starting a record label. And at the time, like, if you, like, you can even, there's some news clips of me talking to people. I'm like, and I do this and I do that. And I am a businessman <laughs> and I have this business and I'm also prime America and I do prepaid legal. And I, you know, I was part of all these MLMs and stuff. And I was just trying to get my footing in, in business. And um, so I told him I want a record label and I used to carry around this book with me and I still have it. Um, and I showed him the, the building that I want. It was like my dream board. I said, this is the building that I want. I want people to be able to walk in, put on, you know, like, you know, like we, we refine them, we get them good photography, we get them good everything. And then they walk out a star and he's like, well, why would you do that? Why would you do that in a building? Why not do it online? And I'm like, interesting. So he led me down this whole new world of technology. He told me and predicted that blockbusters would be dead, that um, that uh, HMV would be dead, like a lot of these these music places. And he said the record labels are dinosaurs; they're going to die one day, and you better go independent. And this is the time. This is in early two thousand, I think around two thousand and two, two thousand and three. He's telling me all these things. And when I was telling my friends, because I'm young and I'm like, hey, I met this guy that used to know this person and that person. And, you know, he says this is what's going to happen. People are like, you're crazy. People said I was crazy. So what we attempted to do, um, my friend, uh, Justin and Nathan, uh, Nathan Witz, he's a now he's a 
he's a movie star and Justin is an entrepreneur, but we started this company with the premise that we wanted to create a social media network. And this was before MySpace and before Facebook. And we wanted to be able to distribute music through this channel because the one thing that we learned about the record labels is that the record labels were taking for every dollar that a song would make, the record labels were taking, um, the record labels were taking or paying the artists maybe not three cents. And they were claiming, because at the time Napster was around and, and whatnot, and Napster was a great way of sharing your music and getting your your music out there. Right. And the record labels were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You know, like, money. don't cu- pirate. But who were they protecting? They weren't protecting the artist. The artist didn't really have a say in the matter. They were protecting the record labels. The record labels didn't want you to pirate the music because they wanted to make as much money as possible, but the money wasn't going to the artists. So we wanted to create a system using copy left, which is a, um, which is open. Um, it's, um, I, there's another term for copy left. It's, um, uh, forget it. It's like copy because you have copyright and it's called copy left or whatever, but either way, it's an open source way of, you know, licensing your music. So we wanted to leverage that technology and create a social network that would distribute this music. So we were on the leading edge of technology. I remember as when I was like in my twenties or seven, like, you know, whether I was in my teens or my twenties, I don't remember. um, I was sitting in a boardroom full of old people, accountants. We had a corporation and we had people sitting there We were about to start, we were going to revolutionize the industry. But the problem that we had is that we could not figure out what to do. We were talking about prepaid uh, music cards. We were talking about, you know, iPods. We were talking about all kinds of things before it was even created. We were trying to revolutionize the music industry, us kids. So when it broke, like the idea didn't go anywhere. We kind of broke, all of us broke apart. I was kicked out of my own company. Because we were just too young. So young kids that have great ideas, make sure you guys own 50% of your, um, you know, or more than 50% in a corporation because you'll get booted out. Um, and and know, like, and understand that when you're starting a corporation that you need to know your shit. Because if you don't, you know, they're going to take over your company. Your investors or whoever you have in your company are going to take over. Because... They want to make a profit. Like they know it's a great idea, but you know, I always thought that it was like my baby, but I realized when you start bringing people in, it's their baby. And if they're strong enough, they'll take it over. So that's pretty much what happened is that I got booted out. The the project died, but the problem is, and I hope I'm not too long here. The problem is that I left thinking, I left thinking like, what the hell? I could have been a millionaire. I could have been a billionaire by this age. I would have been like Steve Jobs or like um, um, Mark Zuckerberg it happened to me. So I died. Physically died. You know, it's, and, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just having a conversation with a guy earlier today. And I was telling him that sometimes when you're ahead of your time, your project will die. It'll just go away because there's no technology to support what you're doing. Um, right. You know, a big example of that, uh, one of the most common or um, one of the biggest examples of that 
uh, think HDNet in 2001. Mark Cuban launches HDNet. The technology wasn't there to support what his idea was. That's right. That's right. And like, and that's exactly what happened. And the other thing too is that we didn't stick with an idea. Had we had stuck in with one idea and went through with it and put something like put a prototype together, we would have been in because the guy that we like David, David Bauman, he was, he's also a venture capitalist and he, he could bring people to the table. But the thing is we couldn't find an idea that was worth making money. And we couldn't figure out what was what was going to be because at that time we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't we didn't have Web 2.0. We were still at Web 1.0, right? So we didn't have that interactivity. So we were just guessing at that point, and we didn't know what to do. So, you know, I left there feeling like I I died, but I never stopped the fight. So I just I, as a kid, I just wanted my music. I just wanted to distribute my music to as many people. I wanted them to hear me. I wanted to be famous. And I wanted to do it without having to go through the record labels. And I wanted to do it without spending a lot of money. So um, I was on this train for a long time. So I tried all the new social media. I went on MySpace. I went on Facebook. And then I went on YouTube. I pimped all of those. I, I tried my best to push the limits of all of those platforms to promote my agendas. And I learned how to code. I learned how to do music. Um, production. I did everything. I'm pretty much a one man army because I learned so much of everything. And I got to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm in a relationship now. And Malcolm, can you turn that off? I'm in a relationship now. Uh, the relationship doesn't work out. You know, she leaves me. I, I quit my job. I say I want to start my own business. And then she leaves me because. I'm not bringing any money in and we're fighting too much. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, Ryan, like my mentor has been telling me, I'm like, you can do so much. You can do music production. You can do video production because you did your own music videos. You do graphic design. And then I started Ryan Perez creative agency, which then was too long. So we turned it into Bowtie creative. Because I used to wear bow ties. And so bow tie. I pretty much didn't stop the fight. And a lot of people don't know. I didn't get my my high school education. I, I got like up to 11th grade education. Stayed till 12, 12th grade. But, you know, I don't didn't have my education. I yeah. learned everything. I was self-taught. So I've always had an obsession in helping people build great brands. And I made my obsession obsession into a career because I help a lot of brands and I help a lot of people and I do it with the hustle zone and a hustle zone is a, was a pilot project. It wasn't even something I was planning on doing. You know, it's, it's crazy that you say that because when I went to your website and I looked at your portfolio, it's absolutely amazing when you, when you're going through it. and I scroll down to the bottom and it stopped and I'm thinking, wow, that's a lot of people, but then it reset. And then you scroll down more. I was like, <laughs> Then it reset and scrolled down more. I was like, good Lord, how many are the, uh, how many of these things are there? I mean, it was just insane. I don't think I got to the last one before I was just like, okay, I, I got to get more information on Ryan because I'm writing down notes, getting ready for you to come on and everything. But you know, that, that bow tie, uh, you know, when you talk about you were wearing that bow tie, the first time I ever saw you, you were wearing a bow tie. And that was one of the things that stuck out. So, I mean, it was like, like the beacon, you know, a beacon of light 
in a dark room, this, this guy with a bow tie on and, <laughs> and it was enough, but you laugh, but it's enough. Sometimes you just have to be different. Sometimes yeah. you have to, you know, appear different or stand up and say something different. And that's what you, that's what really caught my attention and made me start listening to what you were talking about. Uh, especially when you started talking about branding, because when I first got started, you know, raw and real was really kind of a bland look. I mean, it was just, it was a white background. It just said raw and real on it. Didn't have any, any art to it. Then I started listening to what you're saying and you're talking about, you know, different things that popped. I remember you talking about another guy's logo and you, and I was just sitting in the side chat, didn't have any clue what was really being said, but then you started talking about his logo and you were talking about how, you know, how things have to pop, you know, kind of pop out at people. And I was like, you know what? Mine doesn't do that. Mine <laughs> looks so bland. And then I had, I had it redesigned by an actual design, uh, a graphic designer because of the things that you said. So, you know, I got to thank you for that. I mean, I, whether you knew it or not, I've been paying attention. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, like, like the difference between myself and a lot of people, a lot of professionals that went to school and, and I don't discount, you know, their experience. I have my experience. And I think experience always outweighs, like when you bring results, it doesn't matter who you are at that point. Um, and I respect the education system and I respect the people that went to school for a lot of this stuff. Uh, but I'm dyslexic. So when with dyslexia, reading is a hard thing for me to do. Like I'm, it's hard for me to comprehend stuff when I'm reading a book. Um, and at sometimes when, when, the concepts don't make any sense. It throws me for a loop. And I like, I'll end up spending maybe three days on one page. Um, and that's just because that is my disability. That's, that's what, what happens. So, um, what I realized, um, er, later on in my career that, you know, I'm a holistic thinker. Like I have to understand the nuts and bolts of everything before I can really truly understand it because I know I have an, an hidden intelligence. I know I have a high IQ because I know when I know something, I know it like inside and out. I know how to, I, I, I know how to create what I want. And I always, and it's like a high because once I get to that point where I know what I'm doing, like, this this creativity comes out and it it comes out like like it's almost like a like a like a river you know so i was always chasing after that high so my whole idea of learning about dyslexia you know helped me and in using tools to help me read and understand concepts and i read i read textbooks about marketing back to back and i took i made mind maps i did all kinds of things to understand the nuts and bolts of marketing to the point where now I have a really good understanding of how to brand myself. And you know that with the hustle zone, you know, because again, I take it, I take, I create like, you know, branding is all about creating narratives, you know, and helping people identify you. Like people have to identify, they have to know what it is that you do different than everybody else. Right. And every logo has a story. Every company in the world, like, well, you know, when it comes to North America living, democracy, capitalism, there is a space of people making creations that 
over time become history and it becomes com like commerce becomes a part and marketing and all that stuff branding becomes a part of our actual history because this is the guy that made the first bucket this is the guy that had the first buggy this is the guy that had the first made the first car this is the guy so our like doing business is associated with history and associated with our identity with our culture so every logo of every successful company has a story and that story is not a it's not an island it's connected with all the other events that are happening around us that's why branding your company is so important but understanding that narrative you can you and and if you know how to really market your products you can do wonders but don't you find a lot of people struggle uh, finding that story or being or not necessarily finding the story they've got the story but they just don't know how to tell it well you know because a lot of people have shitty ideas you know <laughs> straight up a lot of people have shitty ideas i think you know mark profit um the uh, the author of um predictive innovation uh you know he says it best that you know a lot of people like brainstorming doesn't work a lot of people brainstorm, but you're brainstorming ideas that maybe were already brainstormed by somebody else or, you know, are just flawed ideas. You need a system of thinking to be able to to realize what is a good idea and will it make it into the idea space? You know, because Mark Prophet says like 10% of your um, of your ideas, like 10% of ideas make it into the idea space. The rest are garbage. So a lot of people start a business because either they're either broke or they have a little extra money and stuff like that. And they come, they, they don't do the research. They don't really have a system of thinking um, for them to create really great products, really great innovations. And therefore, you know, the reason why they have a hard time creating that narrative is because the, the idea is not well thought out. Maybe it's just an idea, but it's not been vetted out. It hasn't been thought through. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't really know the story. They don't know the story. And the most important story that you need to include in your branding is the story of the customer because it's their need. You know, I was talking. It's their need needs to be stimulated. You know, I was talking to a guy earlier today and he was telling me about his business. And I asked him, I said, look, tell me, tell me your story. What, what's your story? So he goes off and tells me how he started this whole business and this, that, and the other. And it's so unique and it's, he's the only one doing it. I said, well, no, you're not because, you know, it's, it's a video production business. And, uh, he's like, well, yeah, I'm the only one that does it the way I do it. I said, well, I can name off, you know, half a dozen video producers who can do what you're doing. But no, it, they they wouldn't do it the same way I do it because people email me their their video testimonials and I put them together and then I hand them to the people. I'm like, people, we've already been doing this. It's been happening. Mm -hmm. He was so bent on his being a unique idea. And I was like, well, okay, let's back up a little bit. How successful are you in this in this business? How long have you been doing it? He goes, I've been doing it for two years. I said, okay, great. How successful are you in this business? He says, well, people just don't know about me yet. I mean, really, that it, it really boiled down to, you know, his excuse was people don't know about it. Well, why not? 
Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 to give him credit, I mean, like a, a lot of things. There's many different ways. We don't have to be competitors. Like according to Mark, you don't. We we don't need competition. We don't need to be competitors. We just need to understand how how to 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 create an alternative right. for people to buy. And I think that you know some people don't really do the research. If the idea comes from your brain and it's not, you're not really addressing needs, the desired needs of others, you're not going anywhere, right? You may think that you're doing a great job, but you're wasting your time if it's not really doing anything to benefit the community that will actually buy the product. And, you know, a lot of people start with the idea first and not the customer first. And, and, so when you're creating a brand, you're trying to make sure that your expectation of your brand, you're trying to you're trying to validate whether what you think in your head of how great your product is matches the expectations of the people that are actually buying it. You know, so it is branding. That whole process of branding is that process. It's managing the expectation because if you are running a burger joint, when I get there. I expect you to make me a burger. I expect fries. I expect I expect a soft drink, some salad. You know, if my wife doesn't, you know what I mean, wants me to eat healthy, and a toy when I get a happy meal from my son, because that has, that narrative has been created for more than uh, you know maybe forty years, fifty years. We've had that type of service, and when you open up a burger joint best believe that I need to have my burger and I need to have ketchup on it because on all the burgers have ketchup. Um, However, that is what we expect. That is our expectations. Now, if a woman came out with a, with a bra on and served me the burger, that's value. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) That's value. That's a value meal. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. Or if, you know, someone gave me $5 for spending, you know, for, you know, and I got a $5 ticket. Or if they just remembered my name every time I got there. That is not expected. But when it's, when it's received, it's value. And that's how you create a brand. When you first need to, most people don't even meet the expectations of their clients. What would you say, um, Maybe okay. So, one there's a lot of mistakes being made in in just the branding aspect of their of their business. What would you say one of the 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 second biggest mistake a lot of people make aside from branding? Um, I think that most people don't um they don't plan. You know that a lot of people jump into it because you know everything about a business is emotional. Um, there's nothing logical about starting a business for a, a lot of people. And I think that a lot of people, most people just jump in without a plan. And, you know, as much as that is a great thing, um, being an entrepreneur, because there's a difference between being an entrepreneur and a business person, in my humble opinion. But when you are a, uh, uh, when you are an entrepreneur, you're encouraged to just get out there and test the market and test the idea and see if it flies. I mean, you know, you kind of have to put in your sweat equity. And if you have money, you can go and, you know, create like a pilot project and sell it and see where it goes. Um, but 
sooner or later, you have to realize that you need a plan in place. So that's the second, that's the second, um, that's the second, that's the, that is a failure on their part because the plan really gives you a focus and and it allows you to optimize your business because you cannot optimize something that you can't measure. You now that can't kind of, rev it up if you don't know the envelope. You that, can't push it up if you don't have one. That kind of touches back to what we're, you were talking about earlier with with the your company that you had started as a young a young man, you know, not having that clear plan and then getting ousted out of your own your own company. That's right. You know, you know it's you got you, you got to be you got to be in uh you you have to you have to know like no one really realizes business is like war, right? You got to be prepared um, to put yourself out there because there's a lot of risk involved in it. And if you're not planning to get yourself into a business venture and planning to put the money down, and even when you and I spoke, you know, that was a very hard conversation to have. One of the hardest I had because it was like, hey, you're trying to build a podcast, but you can't build a podcast like this. You know what I mean? You are here to win. We're here to provide a service. And if you're putting in below expectations, you're just wasting time. But not only you're wasting time, you're wasting money. Implicit. Explicit costs are the actual costs that we pay. Implicit costs are money that we don't we don't necessarily pay physically in cash, but it's money that goes out the door. Every day we sit here and we don't ask for money, you know, so the cost of doing business and, and it, it starts to rise every day because, you know, you have, you got to up keep your computer. You got to make sure that when you do a podcast, that it doesn't fall apart during the podcast. You have to have redundancies. There's a lot of things that happen. And over time, it's just, if you don't have a plan in place, you're, you're not really necessarily going anywhere. A lot of us are running, doing businesses. I think the third mistake is that we're running the, running the business as a passion and we forget to ask for the money. Yes. We've, why are, like, if you're spent, like, I, my rule of thumb is if you're, you spent two weeks without a dollar coming in, you're not a business person. You've got a hobby. <laughs> you got a hobby. Two weeks. <laughs> I'm telling you. Every show that you have, you should be saying, hey, I, who wants to sponsor? $20 a sponsor. You know, because this is a business. You know, because again, everything costs. Your time costs. My time costs. If I didn't show up tonight, that would have cost you. You know, it would have cost you implicitly. And you have to, like the money has to be there so that you can, you know, you can have another person here. Or what if you... What if something happened to you? God forbid, knock on wood, you you had to go to Jamaica or you, you, you ate some food and now you're in the hospital. Who's going to carry on your business? What if you had this is so popular show that you have thousands of, 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 of uh, sponsors, but you can't make it for, for, for maybe a, a month because you're in the middle of a divorce? Then what? What happens to your brand? Your brand gets tarnished. And we don't really think about those things when we start a business. We just try it because we are emotionally attached to the idea. We just do it. But we don't really think about that. 
And that's why we need money. We need money. We need cash flow to protect us for all those things that could possibly go wrong. You know, I got, I got cussed out earlier, uh, earlier today by a person that I used to, I used to help for free. Um, in, in fact, back in our blab days, you were absolutely right when you say, well, what are you getting paid? Why aren't you getting paid? You should be getting paid for what you do. And I wasn't, I was giving away the whole cow for free, just kept on helping, 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 thinking that, oh, I was, I was giving value. Someone will pay me, but they never did. And then mm-hmm. just today I got contacted by someone that I'd helped uh, four months ago. And she said, well, you know, uh, what, what platform should I go on and what should I do here? And what I said, I'm sorry, I would love to be able to help you, but if you want my help, it's going to cost you this amount of this amount per hour. Mm-hmm. I can't continue to do this. It's it just, it's not working. And, uh, she got angry. She was really upset about it, but it's okay. They can be upset. The next it's- person isn't going to be upset because they expect to have to pay for a service. That's right. And you know what? I rather lose a friend because I charge too much than lose a friend because I didn't follow up with them. Lose a friend because, you know, I can't afford to go out. You know, lose a friend because um, I under-delivered. Um, I, I don't mind losing a friend because I am just running my business. Because they'll come back later. You know, the, the, when, when you do stuff for people for free and then you stop doing stuff for them for free, you are the worst person on the planet. They'll, they'll call you every name because they're right. Like you think about it, they're writing on you and they have to like money is the cheapest way of keeping a friendship when it comes to business money, because when money is not involved, you, you, the cost money is cheap. The cost of you doing business without any exchange of money is a lot because it's like, Hey, Chris, you know, you're doing, you're doing my landscaping and I'm paying you. Not only do I not only have, I have to like, I have to stroke your ego. I got to be like, Oh man, you're great. Then I got to come to your, ch- your children's bar mitzvah and this and that. I have to, uh, you know, I have to do jumping jacks for you just to keep you, you know, keep you my friend so that you continue to do my, my lawn for free. All I have to do is pay you and I can always guarantee that you'll do my lawn, but you know, when you're do, when you're you're commissioning someone for free and getting them to do the work for free, you got to do all kinds of things. And then you get so tied up that if something goes wrong, then they'll start telling everybody your personal business. They they bring it down and because they have nothing else to say, they can't say I want a refund. They can't say <laughs> that. You you know what I mean? They can't say anything like that. Right, right. You know, they're just going to go after everything that is not monetary and it destroys lives. So that's why it's just better to ask for the money. It's the cheapest way. You know, and I love, I love the fact that you're just, you've got a confidence about you. There's an air about you. And, and that, I, I think that comes from, in my opinion, I think that comes from that rebellious attitude you had when you were young. Like you said, you didn't finish high school. You, you know, you're skipping a class and you, you kind of had your own rebellious ideas and this, that, and the other. 
That is so common. That is something that I keep hearing over and over and over. I mean, I've done, this is, uh, this show is number 86 now. And Mm -hmm. in 86 shows, I have done probably about 60 interviews with entrepreneurs. And in 60 interviews, the most common thing I keep hearing is I didn't finish school or I was a, I was not very good in school or I struggled through school. It was very, that's such a common theme. Mm -hmm. And, but they're all streaming with confidence. I mean, it's like something that just, you stand, you want to stand next to them because you hope that it'll rub off on you. What, you know what kind of influence you have from like, you know where that comes from? It comes from, I have a story. My son and I have had some conflicts. Um, my son is eight and I'm tired of my son watching certain shows on YouTube because I find they're mindless. There's a guy named Guava Juice and I, Guava Juice is so annoying. Um, he does crazy stuff. He pours Nutella in his bathtub and then he's screaming like a girl all the time. (laughs) Ah, You know what I mean? And and ha, 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 laughing, these kids. I'm like, dude, you need a girlfriend. But anyway, you know, this kid is in- entertaining people on YouTube, and my son included. And my son loves it because he's learning so much cool things. You get to make green slime and Nutella. And I'm pretty in tuned with the things that my, my son watches. I like to know what he's up to, and I like to engage. So I have a level playing field with him when I'm speaking. Um, so I was like, Malcolm, you cannot, you cannot watch stuff over and over and over and over again. It's, I, I'm not going to allow it. He was grounded last week before, you know, because I just, you know, there's certain things that he did and I had to do that. And he notices that I watch a few shows. Um, I watch CNN all the time. You know, I watch because I like media i i watch uh the breakfast club i watch uh you know uh jimmy jimmy fallon i watch wendy williams even you know because again these are all people that i admire in the media industry because i want to be that you know i always want to be that um and malcolm seen he's been seeing that for years so he comes to me and he's like dad are are you watching something over and over again? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm learning something here because you know, true say, like when you're listening to, uh, you know, you're watching the news organizations and stuff like that, you're actually learning something. You know, you're learning something new about Trump. But it happened to be that I was listening to the the Breakfast Club and there was a big picture of Nicki Minaj, and I was like. <laughs> I am learning something. <laughs> and my son says, you're learning about Nicki Minaj? And I was like, hmm, true say. Yeah, the true, 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 true. So what I'm learning is I have to set an example. But what he, he got an air of confidence because he was able to challenge the system and challenge my my thinking. Where this confidence comes from is because I've failed so many times. This confidence comes from because I never gave up and I won. You know what I mean? If I failed the first time, 
I came and went back up again. I did it again, you know, and when I achieve and I achieve big, that confidence comes from there because all the people around me told me that I couldn't do it. And when I prove them wrong, when I do my research and I make sure that I execute my plan, they have to respect me at that point. So it's confidence. It's not cockiness. It's just that even if it's a, a even if it's a fight for me, um, even if it's a fight for me and I don't think I'm going to win, I just don't give up and I challenge when I don't feel like it's right, you know? And that's like my, my son, that, that, that example rings through because that's, I'm teaching him how to be a critical thinker and I'm teaching him how to be able to watch for things and find loopholes for him to go through so he can excel. That's what I do. I look at a problem and I'm like, I don't just listen to people. I question. And when I, when, and if I, if I feel that there's a flaw, if I feel that there is a fallacy, I exploit it. And then I go and do the right thing. God damn right. I'm going to have confidence. (laughs) I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, right, right now, Ryan, we are at the very end of the show. So I want to give you, just a few more minutes to kind of tell everybody uh, how to get in touch with you, how they can reach out to you and, and get more of this kind of inspiration. Well, they can follow me. They can add me as a friend, uh, Ryan Perez. Um, if they're good, they're legit and they're entrepreneurs. Um, so you can find me on Facebook and add me my boat tie creative with a K boat tie creative with a K um, dot com. Uh, but I'm more of a, a Facebook guy. So find me on Facebook. I have the hustle zone. You can look up the hustle zone, follow us on, on Twitter, um, at the hustle zone or find us on, um, find us on Facebook. Um, uh, you know, uh, I'm a founder and owner of uh, Bowtie creative. We are a digital agency. Uh, we provide consultation and for, and we build websites and for whatever, for every website that we sell, we, we donate a free website to an entrepreneur with a, with a, with a disability. And I'm not looking for people that, you know, got their arm missing, but they're millionaires. Okay. We're looking for people that are, have been stifled by the system somehow and, and need to get out and they need a, they need an option. So, um, I provide them the opportunity to, you know, I'll subsidize their website for them. Man, Ryan, that is so generous. And I, that has been something that, You've been doing for quite a while now, and it's I know it's got to be appreciated by by the industry. So just leaving you all with that, I want to let you know you can find the links to everywhere Ryan was just talking about down below this video in the description. And not, not only that, I want you I want to encourage you. I, I need you to go and check out the hustle zone because this is truly an inspiring and educational program where you can just sit back, watch, and you will take nothing but value away from what comes out of it. So until next time, everybody, thank you very much for checking out Raw and Real tonight. I appreciate each and every one of you. You know what's coming up. You don't have to be perfect to be someone's perfect solution. 
Thanks for listening to Raw and Real with your host, C.J. Ripka.